Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terriel, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And we are joined by my good friend and favorite co-host, Nick Raponi. Welcome back, good sir. Uh, appreciate you having, uh, appreciate you being on. And there's no time I appreciate you being on more than draft season because I know you of all people uh, trump me when it comes to these prospects. So uh, welcome back again, Nick. Uh, hyped to talk about this uh, wild draft with you. How are you doing, my friend? Pretty good. Uh, first, I want to say thank you for the high praise. Uh, best co-host, I mean. Can't get any better than that, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm pumped to talk about the draft. I uh, writing for busting brackets there. Uh, I've been talking a lot of college basketball stuff. So did previews of all of um, power conferences. So yeah, a lot of the, these players that were drafted and a lot of the undrafted ones from this draft, I've done a lot of scouting on them. So yeah, I'm happy to share my insight. Awesome. Yeah. And you could definitely check that out on my Twitter. I did a thread. Nick did like the best players in like the ACC, the big 10 SEC, the whole, every conference you can possibly imagine, uh, except the AAC was the one you didn't do, right? No, well, yeah, I did. The, so I did the Pac-12, SEC, big 10, big 12, big East, ACC, then all the mid-majors. The thing is I should have included, well, not should have, I was, I was going to do an AAC as well, but then I didn't end up getting around to the AAC, so I should have, in in hindsight, included them in the mid-major one. So guys like Wiseman, Precious Chua, those are guys that really, I guess, weren't uh, really, I guess, discussed much because I didn't get to talk about the AAC. But sure. they're definitely guys I I know a, a bit about. We can right. talk about. Yeah, and we'll talk about at least one of them very quickly here as I guess we're just going to jump right into it. So we'll go over the top 10 in some a little bit detail. We'll jump around the draft a little bit to talk about our favorite picks, and we'll talk about some uh, some trades that went down on draft day, although we won't cover every single one of them because, you know, you know it's tough to, to talk about winners and losers of trades where, you know, you're trading second-round picks for future picks, and, like, we don't even know how these guys are going to pan out. So for yeah, us to call, really like – It's really tough to say. Yeah. yeah, so for us to call, like, winners and losers, like, it's probably, like, too early at this point, unless it involves, like, real tangible players we can talk about, which the yeah, ones – I think the three-way trade that uh, that with Luke Cunningham and Luke Kennard and stuff. That's yeah. when we talk about the, the Bogdan lock, the lack of Bogdan trade is another one yeah. we talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. But let's let's start with the draft because that, that's the meat and potatoes what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so with the first pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, take Anthony Edwards. There was some talk that it could have been LaMelo Ball. Uh, James Wiseman was pretty much out of the picture. He didn't even work out or even talk to them. Uh, makes sense with Carl Anthony Towns in the picture there. Didn't want to uh, play in Minnesota. So – they take Anthony Edwards and Nick, what's, what's the scouting report on Anthony Edwards? So super freak athlete. It seems yes. um, a guy that uh, really has a knack for scoring the basketball. Um, but there are some downfalls to his, his game, like his, his motor defensively um, his pull-up shooting is a little bit inconsistent. Um, that's just kind of the highlights, but I'll, I'll let you go into it. What do you, what do you see with Anthony Edwards? Yeah. You, you kind of, you hit the nail on the head there with uh from me, Okay, firstly, in this draft, I want to talk about uh, one thing before I go any further is there was no clear-cut number one. That's, uh, that's kind of rare nowadays that there's no clear-cut guy that's going to go number one. Uh, so to me, Anthony Edwards was the best player in this draft. But yeah, like you said, the knocks on him, his motor, that's the thing. His motor, not offensively per se. It's his, more of his motor on defense. He has all the skills. And you see him in close games or games that matter he buys in like defensively he's shows that, wow, this guy has active hands. Like he can be a good defender at the next level. It's just the games that aren't that close or just when there's scoring droughts on both sides, you know, just like the lull 
parts of games, he falls asleep on D because he just it's it's almost the effort there. He wants to give his full effort on offense, and that's the major knock on him, in my opinion. Other than that, like I don't really see a ton. Other one, I guess he plays a little out of control offensively too. Uh, I won't take up too much more time on him because I know you want to get through a lot of players here. But yeah, I'd say. He plays a little out of control offensively and a little lazy defensively. Those are the only knocks on him, in my opinion, but those are knocks that can easily be fixed um, because, I mean, he's not going to have – I mean, he's still going to have the ball a lot. Don't get me wrong, but he's not going to be the number one scoring option in Minnesota, in my opinion. So he's not going to be putting up as many questionable shots maybe uh, as he would have in college. And as he matures more, I think he'll put up less uh, questionable shots as well. And uh, yeah, the D, you just gotta, you gotta hope he buys it. That's what's the major question. But I mean, I think he will. I really do. So uh, that would be the negatives on him. The pros is, yeah, you can score from everywhere. Off the dribble, he scores well. He scores inside, outside, around the rim, he scores well. He scores from three point land solid. He's not a bad playmaker. He can improve his playmaking, but he's not a bad one by any means. Uh, like I said, he has active hands when he buys in. Uh, he's good at uh, kind of going in there for the steals. I wouldn't say sometimes he, like I said, sometimes he's a little lazy defensively, but uh, like steals-wise, he's going to get them. He's going to rack them up, and that's uh, more because of the athleticism, the strength, the NBA body. I think there's a lot to like about him. It's a good fit for Minnesota. For sure, and I think if you're optimistic about anything, it's the fit there, right? Like, like you said, not going to be the number one option, which means he's not going to have to carry as much scoring load. Does that mean he's going to be more disciplined with his shot selection uh, under a guy like Ryan Saunders? Is he going to be a little bit more disciplined defensively now that he doesn't have to carry the whole load uh, on offense? I think that those two things are definitely something that you can uh, look towards at least a little bit of optimism on uh, when you talk about a guy like Anthony Edwards. And I think, I think the fit, uh, you can be optimistic that maybe that takes a little bit out of the, um, uh, you know, some of the, the downfalls that you saw yeah. at Georgia that comes from a downfall. big offensive load. Yeah. And there, there weren't were, many, like, that's a good point. Saying, there weren't many, there, there really wasn't many, like, but they're major, yes. they're, they're major ones. You know what I mean? They're, they're not a lot, but they're very concerning. There's like, it's, it can really break you. Like, like the, the motor defensively, like the, uh, the inconsistent shot selection, like, like but you can you know you, guys, that's the knock on in college. They're 18, 19, 20 years old. They're still young. They're used to being the go-to number one guy. But yeah, the right Anthony couple- Edwards is 19. That's right. Yeah, like there's a lot of guys that are still young when they come out of the draft and they're used to being the number one option. It takes a little bit of time to being used to not being that number one option. And that's not an unusual knock. The fact that he does pretty well everything else, right? He's got to be more consistent with the jumper. That's one thing. But he does pretty well everything else, right? So I really, I think it's a good pick here for Minnesota. I'm very happy they took him over ball. And that's not a knock on ball. I just think you could have a... Victor Oladipo before the injuries prime type player here, even maybe even a, a little bit Which is a fantastic player. Which yeah. is a fantastic player. All right, let's move on. Uh, number two, the Golden State Warriors select James Wiseman out of Memphis. This is a guy that was uh, for a lot of the um, a lot of the pre-draft process. To me, I think he was like the number one ranked prospect. Uh, he his in EYBL, he was like like really really good. Um, you know, it's just, he's just your prototypical center that you want to see at the next level. I mean, he's got the ability to be a defensive stalwart. He's got yes, the ability to stretch the floor. He can put the ball on the floor. His offensive game is well-defined. And he's got potential defensively with the with his ability to move his feet uh, and the potential to protect the rim. So uh, that's kind of what I see. Nick, uh, if you want to go a little deeper on Wiseman, what do you what, what do you see with a guy like James Wiseman, who didn't play a lot at Memphis, uh, if we remember correctly? Yeah, no, of course, yeah, because uh, there was a lot of the the hide the 
Penny Hardaway won't get into stuff, it, but yeah. Penny Hardaway stuff. But yeah, um, so yeah, you put a lot, you hit a, you hit a lot of the negatives and pros about him there. Um, I'd say again, let's talk about the uh, the negatives first. Get those out of the way. The reason I'm going to talk about the negatives first is not because I dislike them. It's because there's less negatives than positives. So might as well get those out of the way. Um, so I guess hit the major negative on him. We were talking the other day. I think it was on Twitter. So it's it's there, uh, tangible evidence of it. Um, we were talking about Devin uh, Vassell or Devin yeah. Vassell. I've heard both. Um, his new three-point shooting or his mechanics his he's experimenting shots. with. New shots. If yeah, we're talking, we'll talk. If we're talking mechanics here, James Wiseman does not have very good mechanics to be a three-point shooter at the next level. I do not like his mechanics at all. That's something I find very negative. I don't see him as much of a stretch guy. I really don't. Okay. Like I know some do, but I, I don't. I'm not saying he can't. I just I don't see him as that. That's not where I see his strengths. Could he develop it? Maybe. But that's not something I see as a strength for him, is his shooting and his ability to stretch. Um, he's often – I don't want to say – it's hard to say, right? He only played – I'm going off his high school and his very limited college. But it seemed like sometimes he just kind of – he he didn't realize how good he is he didn't attack as much as he should have so like i don't know if he's gonna be one of those guys who just kind of a little too passive you know what i mean but like i'm not saying he will but that's just maybe another question mark i have on him again not a lot of tape so not a very fair knock but at the same time it's something i saw um when he gets doubled he pressures a little bit but uh that's about it negative wise like i think inside he's just going to be an absolute machine he, he does have a motor. He's not one of those lazy players, too. He's very athletic for his size. Uh, he's going to be a good shot blocker. I don't think he's going to be as great of a shot blocker as everyone else thinks he is going to be, but I think he's going to be still a good rim protector and a good shot blocker. He's going to be a solid enough defender. I don't think he's going to be an all-NBA defender or anything like that. I just think, for me, the inside scoring and the mid-range scoring and his athleticism for his size is what's really nice about him. He could be like a guy who's just going to immediately – score at will inside give you rebounds give you solid defense just going to be a contributor asap how much he's going to grow his game he's going to be able to stretch i don't know but he's going to be an asap contributor or like i'm sorry he's going to contribute asap i i just I, I guess i don't think i don't see the stretch ability as much as others do but again it's there okay. i guess but yeah that's what i'll say about wiseman okay cool um last thing we'll ask as for think- the fit sorry uh, i just want to mention the fit I think there's better fits. I really do. I think in terms of Wiseman, he's going to be, he's going to be good there, but I think for him to grow as a player and become a great player, I don't think that's the best fit for him. Uh, I think his game is going to be a little hindered playing there. I think there's better spots for him. Like I would have liked to have seen him in Charlotte, for example, I think he would have grown a little bit better there. But uh, with that being said, I do think uh, Golden State will still get the positives out of him. Okay, cool. Um, so that's James Wiseman. Again, we have a lot of guys to get to and trade. So I don't want to take too yes, much of time. I don't want to. Yeah. Dial, no, no, no. That's good. That, that was nice. No, that was nice and concise. I like that. I just, uh, I, uh, I want to rely on, uh, on your opinion because you have done much more tape on it than I, than, than me. I don't want to keep asking you questions and then we get into a 20 minute, uh, on one player. So that was, that was good and concise. So that, that gets right to the point. Um, Number three, let's go over to the Charlotte Hornets uh, taking LaMelo Ball uh, out of the Illawarra Hawks. Um, You know, LaMelo Ball, uh, a lot of people touted him as the best player in this draft. Uh, You know, obviously he's had a a unique path to the NBA through 
you know, Lithuanian Vitautis and then back to Spire and then went straight to, didn't play any college ball, went to uh, Illawarra in Australia, played in the same league as uh, RJ Hampton and uh, now is uh, going to be the point guard of the future, it seems, for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, an absolutely dynamic player from what I've seen with the ball in his hands. Does not lack for confidence. Um, you know, the three-pointer, the three pointer, um, that's it's to be determined. The mechanics are funky, but he definitely doesn't yeah. lack confidence. He'll, he'll get that up. Uh, again, another guy maybe with questionable shot selection at this point uh, that might be needs to reeled in. But I think undoubtedly the best uh, thing about LaMelo Ball is uh, his, his pa- as a passer. Uh, LaMelo Ball, he, he's just dynamic with the ball in his hands. His handle for a guy at 6'7 is fairly ridiculous, in all honesty. Fairly yeah, yeah, ridiculous for, sure. for uh, a, guy, a, guy at that, a guy at that size. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I think personally, I think he has the highest upside in this draft. So we're talking about guys who simply – who, ha- who has the chance to reach the highest ceiling if everybody works out well? I think LaMelo Ball has the chance to reach the highest ceiling. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? And what else would you, would you want to say about um, this game? If we're talking highest upside here. Like if everything goes win. right and the ceiling is at the very top, who has the highest of those ceilings? I personally think it's LaMelo. Do you disagree? Yes, I disagree. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, we can talk about him later because he okay. went in the top 10 so i can oh, uh, interesting okay so That's i can so talk okay. about it when we I get like to that. him okay talk about lamello lamello's number two in terms of the most potential though i'll say that okay. uh, again you you hammered a lot of lamello there um his best ability right here he's a six foot seven guy who has an incredible handle and can exceptional high exceptionally high iq sometimes it makes a stupid play but like for the most part exceptionally high basketball iq makes the right play most times gifted playmaker like exactly what you want at that point guard like the length who gets other people involved like you said the shooting to be determined but he doesn't lack confidence so that's a good part if an nba team can work on honing the mechanics like you said the confidence is already there i think he could definitely become that part could be a part of his game for sure his brother lonzo not so much i don't see that ever being part of his game Lamelo, i can see it being a part of his game um he's a good athlete i wouldn't say he's a great athlete but he's definitely a good athlete. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a solid scorer. I wouldn't say he's a great scorer. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys who immediately scores incredibly at the NBA level, like right away. I really don't. I think he's going to be one of those guys who's a pass-first guy who is still going to develop his scoring more of a slower rate. Again, I could be wrong, but I think it's going to take some time for his scoring to develop at the NBA level but his overall impact is not going to take time. I think he's going to be a very impactful player from day one, especially in Charlotte. I know he's third overall technically, but getting a talent of LaMelo Ball's potential at third overall is uh, it's a steal, really. I think um, value-wise, I like Ball at three more than Wiseman at two, in my opinion. Okay. That's I would agree with that. Wise. I would agree with that. Um, I'm not saying fits and everything like that, but value-wise, I think that uh, I, that's how I feel. Again, the cons on him, like the negatives, I guess, would be uh, he's not a great shooter and he's not a consistent shooter. The mechanics aren't great. The, the, like you, we talked about the confidence. Confidence also leads to bad shot selection too. Like sometimes he takes some really dumb shots. Uh, I'd say his on-ball defense is brutal, but his off-ball defense, sometimes that guy just napping out there. Like, I, like yeah. For sure. I'm not uh, – I'm not going to say he's a very good on-ball def- or off-ball defender, that's for sure. Um, and, yeah, that's about it for him in terms of negatives, positives. Like you said, high upside guy. I think uh, ultimately he's going to come in. That length is going to play a factor. 
Uh, he's going to hopefully buy in defensively like his brother does, but no, I don't think he's going to be as good of a defender as his brother. But like, no. I think he's going to hopefully buy in a little bit more so that length comes into play. He's going to be a great playmaker, gets his teammates involved. And uh, if I'm playing around him, I'm going to be a very happy guy. Fair enough. Good, good report there on the middle of the ball. All right, number four, the Chicago Bulls uh, took what I think is the first uh, surprise pick of the draft in Patrick Williams. This is a player that was not even the best prospect from his team. But continue. Okay, so th- so there you go. So that will give you the teaser. I this is a this is a guy that I saw skying up draft boards, and you know all all I heard was how much he was flying up draft boards, and nobody really did a good explanation of why he's flying up draft boards. So maybe you can tell me why he went as high as number four when I saw him projected around, you know, between 15 and 12, maybe even 20 and 10, anywhere in there, he goes number four, uh, which is, you know, quite high. The Bulls must see something in him. Um, Plays a similar position to that of Larry Markin and Wendell Carter, or at least maybe a tweener between those two guys. I'm not sure how you want to, you know, describe him exactly, but give give me the the Patrick Williams scouting report. Like what, what makes this guy go number four? The NBA body, that's what makes him go at number four. He's uh, about 6'7", 230 pounds, like an incredible athlete for 6'7", 232. Like I'm talking, you can mold this guy into what you want him to be. So defensively, he can be a guy who can guard potentially out on the perimeter at lockdown and a guy who can guard inside too. So Hmm. defensively, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of Raptor fans are going to be listening to the podcast, Toronto, because we're both from Toronto and stuff. I don't see him as an OG, but I see him like, maybe an OG type potential where he can guard multiple positions. That's okay. what I see some Patrick Williams there. Um, the one thing I will say about him, uh, he does knock down his free throws when he gets to the line, which is a lot of those big athletic raw guys, they're not very free throw shooters, which is nice that he had, does have that soft touch, which is nice. Something you could potentially develop. Uh, Besides that, I mean, he's uh, he's an aggressive defender. So you're going to see him uh, make a difference at the, like if he, Put it this way, help D, he's going to come over and he's going to get some blocks. He's going to rack up some block shots. He's an athletic guy. He's aggressive. But again, that aggression on defense kind of can sometimes get him into trouble, get him into foul trouble early, get a little undisciplined. Uh, he really doesn't do anything great on offense, in my opinion. Uh, like, there's the potential's there. The soft hands, the soft touch is there, but he really doesn't do anything great yet offensively. Hopefully, I, that's assuming the Bulls think they can get something, develop the offensive game. They think that he's going to be a versatile defender from day one, and they'll do the rest offensively. Personally, I don't see that offense potential. I see him more as just a versatile defender. He's more of a guy if I'm – depends who's on the clock. It depends who's available, but, like, I'm more of a guy. I'm taking him around 15. And trying to develop the wow, potential so because reach, so a big reach in your opinion yeah i don't think uh i think he's just going to be a one-dimensional player he could be a very good defender but you take a great defender fourth overall i think you go for a little more that's my opinion so you think that's probably a scenario where the bulls could have traded back and still got their guy and picked up yes, some assets 100 percent, right. yeah but at the same time at the same time if we're going to talk about cleveland next isaac okoro's a similar player in that sense. I don't think he's as versatile of a player. Patrick Williams could be a more versatile defender, but like a three and D wing guy, Isaac Okoro that. So I just think if they were looking, the Cavs were looking for a great defender, let's just say defensive potential. Maybe they go Patrick Williams at five. If he's on the board, I don't think so. I think the potential of Isaac Okoro is a lot higher. So I think they win him. I think Patrick Williams probably surprised some teams, but yeah, 
I think they could have traded back and still maybe got their guy. But who knows? Maybe Cleveland took a a potential win guy too. So, I mean, uh, who knows? Yeah, and I mean, that's a great segue uh, to Cleveland taking Isaac Okoro, the forward out of Auburn, uh, 6'6 wing, clearly a guy they're looking to get some defensive help with. This Cleveland team has been a defensive liability for a long, long time, it seems. And like that is why they didn't take Obi Topin. Just Obi, okay, so, they, so there you cool. go. Um, so this is a guy in Isaac Okoro who uh, may be the best defensive player in this draft, uh, like as an individual defensive player from what I've heard and read. Um, the um, the ability to guard on ball is fantastic from the clips that I've seen. Um, you know, the, the spaciness is to a, a minimum off the ball, and he has good anticipation there to me as well. Um, the only thing that I'm certain uncertain of right now is the offensive game, and I think this is going to be one of those classic cases of his, the swing skill for him, whether he's going to be a real impact player or a guy that maybe is just kind of uh, another, you know, athletic wing that can defend, um, but isn't really an offensive juggernaut is the three pointer. Is it, it, it can he, can he knock down enough of his catch and shoot threes to where he's going to provide spacing on offense to where he can maybe attack a closeout and make the right pass. I think the shooting is the, sw- the swing skill for a guy like Isaac Okoro because on the defensive end, I don't think there's any questions. Um, what else offensively do you see with uh, Isaac Okoro? And did I miss anything from him defensively? Um, I think, in my opinion, he's talented defensively, but there's a lot of times where he falls asleep defensively. Okay. I wouldn't say he's the best defender in this draft. I Interesting. Okay. Um, that's my opinion. But I'd actually argue maybe Patrick Williams could be a better defender. Oh. Okay. But um, but I, I just think there's more offensive potential with him than Patrick Williams, in my opinion. But again, good defender. I'm not saying he's a bad defender. He just sometimes... Like, he's just a little spacey defensively sometimes. He kind of loses uh, his train of thought, kind of loses where he is on at times but that he's still young there's time there's ways to develop that he has the body he has the, the skill set to be a good defender right um like you said he needs to improve his shooting just in general from all areas of the court inside mid-range free throw three point just needs to improve his shooting but he does have the potential to be a good shooter um i want to say too i think this is a reach as well i don't think it's as big of a reach okay as patrick williams but i do think it is a reach here um, he's not as versatile as Patrick Williams too defensively, but uh, I'll stop comparing Patrick Williams anyway. But um, that's the, the problem with him offensively. He's just not a good shooter. So that's going to be uh, a problem for him at the next level because you want shooters in the NBA. Every, every, every NBA team wants shooters. Right. Uh, the D, the potential is there. Uh, I think they're hoping they can develop the offense. He can, he's, he's a bit of a slasher. Like I'd say he can score pretty well like on off-ball plays. He can score pretty well. He's a solid scorer off the dribble. But, like, I don't think well enough where it's going to be, oh, that's a skill set that's going to translate immediately to the NBA. No, I don't think there's anything offensively. He draws fouls well, I guess, actually. That's something I noticed on tape. He's very okay. smart. So he gets the – but uh, at the same time, he's not a great free throw shooter. But, um, but yeah, I guess he, he, he draws contact well. He's smart that way. He's a good athlete. I think they drafted more on potential here. It's a similar situation to Patrick Williams in terms of they drafted majorly on potential, in my opinion. I don't think he's uh, a sure thing, that's for sure. Okay, good. Uh, number six, Atlanta Hawks take uh, Onyeka Okongwu, the center out of USC. Um, mm-hmm. This is a pick that I really liked for them. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, you know, you say he plays the same position as a guy like uh, Clint Capella. Yes. And uh, to me, I th- yeah, I, I mean, to me, I it's, it's the same kind of scenario with why I thought the Timberwolves should take um, LaMelo Ball 
where like the guy that's in front of him is not like so good that like you, you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. we, we, we can't move on from him. Like we, like he's our cornerstone piece. I feel the same way about that. uh, Why, you know, D'Angelo Russell wasn't that necessarily piece that you had to hold on to like in lieu of LaMelo ball. And I feel the same way about Clint Capella and Onyeko Kongu. Like, I just don't think that Capella is that guy where if, if, like you, we just we can't even think about drafting a center. No, you just take the best player, especially defensively, yeah. available. And I think Onyeka fits that mold for a center. We know we've heard the the Bam Adebayo comparisons all over the place. Yes. Um, I don't think he's as skilled from what I've seen as Bam Adebayo no, offensively. And he's not as good of a. He's just not all around as good offensively. Yeah, and I and I also don't, and I also think that. I've heard this a couple of times from a couple of different people I trust on the draft. He's just not as good of an athlete defensively. Like, I just think that like Bam is just like all over the place, like in terms of like his athleticism at the rim, his ability to have quick feet. Like I think Onyeka is like, like a few percentage points, like five or 10% less of an athlete. Like he's just not as good. Like he, he can guard on the perimeter, but just not as good as Bam. Like he can deter shots at the rim, but just not as good as Bam. I think it's more Bam is also one of the smartest bigs in the NBA in terms of understanding where the uh, understanding who he's guarding, in my opinion. I mean, he has quick feet for his size. Don't get me wrong. His feet are quicker than Okongwu's, but I think it's more, Mentally, Bam is one of is a very smart basketball player. The defense, okay. very smart. I don't think Okongwu is as smart. I think Bam is not the best comparison, in my opinion, for him. I'm not saying you're comparing him to Bam. I think to me, he's more of a. I've heard Derek Favors. What do you think of that comparison? Yeah, that's not a, that's not a bad one either. Actually, I don't. I don't mind that actually. I think he's got a little more potential defensively. Like I think to me, a little better than Derek. Yeah, he's very athletic. Like he's very athletic. But like you said, he doesn't have the as quick a feet as uh, as like somewhere between Bam Bam and Favors with the way he moves his feet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. he's a good rebounder. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be one of those guys who's a good rim protector. The problem is he's six nine, but I think the athleticism makes up for that. I think even defensively, I think he has the potential to even be like a Tristan Thompson type, like good rebounder, good rim protector. But I think there's more offensively there than there is Tristan. But uh, I think his floor is like a Tristan Thompson type thing, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, he can score well inside. That's a high uh, floor. Okay, yeah, maybe not his floor. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that is a very high floor. But I see a lot of Tristan Thompson. I'll put it that way. Okay. But I think there's a little bit more offensively you can do with Tristan. Tristan's not a... You knew from the get-go that there wasn't a ton of offense there. Uh, I think there's a little bit more offensive potential here with Okongwu. But, uh, yeah, that pretty well sums it up. Great athlete. I think he's going to be a good rim protector, a good rebounder. His undersize is not going to be a problem at center. Um, And I think, yeah, I think there is some room to develop his, like extend his offensive game, become more versatile. But I think for the most part, he's just going to be like a guy who scores well inside in the post and a good rebounder, a good rim protector. Okay. Good. good pick for Atlanta. Put it this way. They can move Capella if they want to, but they don't have to. Right. Good point. Okay. Um, number seven, the uh, Detroit Pistons take Killian Hayes, um, mm-hmm. overseas guard. I don't exactly know where he played. Like, it, 
100%. He's French, but he played in Germany. Okay, perfect. So thanks for that context. Um, this is a pick that I, I really liked for them. Uh, they've been needing a point guard for, for some time here. Um, you know, since the departure of, you know, Reggie Jackson and even Reggie Jackson wasn't no point guard of the future, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. so this is their first crack at really getting a point guard, uh, of the, of the future for them. You know, the lefty, uh, you know, sick, he's, uh, he's six, five, uh, he's got some, uh, he's got some ability to shoot the ball. He, uh, he does have a little, he like, I'm not saying he's James Harden, but he has a little bit of Harden in his bag from what I've seen. He's got a little step back game. And obviously the lefty thing is like the, the easiest comparison. So it's kind of a lazy comparison. I get that, but he does kind of move in isolation like James Harden, obviously nowhere as good of a passer, nowhere as good of a ball handler, nowhere as good of even an offensive player, but he does have some of those uh, characteristics to his game. Um, uh, his handle, not as tight from what I would have liked to see. And I saw him a couple times, like get turned over in the backcourt uh, by like some of these, like, uh, you know, older, you know, guards, like that's, that's not really encouraging uh, if he, uh, if he's having trouble bringing the ball up amongst pressure. Um, and, you know, defensively, you know, it's just, I, I didn't really see anything that jumped out, jumped out at me. I didn't really see anything that I was like really scared of. So again, I'm going to rely on you here. What do you, what do you see in a guy like Killian Hayes? Uh, the thing about Killian Hayes, okay, if we're going to talk about, we'll start with the positives of Killian Hayes. He doesn't do anything really terribly, if we're talking, in my opinion. Like, there's, there's nothing where he's in the goth that kills you. And I think there's every part of his game is somewhat developed. You can develop it enough where it's not going to kill you. I really do. That's something I like about him. His shooting is where he majorly lacks, in my opinion. That's where the question is. He's just not a consistent shooter. He is athletic. Don't get me wrong. He's athletic for 6'5", but at the same time, his first step's not there. Like, it's just like, it's not as quick as you'd like it to be. So I think coming to going to the NBA level, it's just going to be that much less quick. Well, in comparison to what he's up against. Um, sometimes he'll force a little bit, but for the most part, uh, not, not that bad because he is one of the big pros about him. He is pretty smart. And I think that comes from playing professionally. He's, he understands the game of basketball. It's just that's something that uh, it seems to come naturally to him. Yep. He's a good enough athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. Uh, defensively, he has the potential to be a very solid defender. He's long. He he's he has pretty active hands. I'm not gonna say they're extremely active. He doesn't like I said. He doesn't really do anything poorly. Doesn't do anything great. I, I, in my opinion, actually, you talked about you mentioned the playmaking. I think the playmaking is actually his best aspect. I think. He can be like a six-five playmaker who can be a solid defender. He can create his own shot, get to the rim. It's just when he gets to the rim, he struggles to score a little bit, but he can definitely get to the rim, create his own shot. That's for sure. You mentioned that like with James Harden, create his own shot. He can definitely do that. Um, I like the playmaking ability and the ability to create his own shot. That's definitely the possibility of him. Um, defensively, he's aggressive. But uh, yeah, I think you've just got to improve that shooting for sure. But I think after LaMelo ball i think this could be the next best value pick so far okay i like that another thing too just before we move off killian hayes he's very left-handed like he like to me i didn't like he can finish with his right but i didn't see him throwing like a lot of those right-handed like skip passes to the corner like a, a, almost all of the stuff that i saw like was him doing it with his left i'm not to say he can't get better no, with his right sure. but he's just very left-handed from what i saw yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong um next the New York Knicks select a forward from Dayton, Obi Toppin. Now, yeah. this is this is a guy, uh, you know, who's just like a monster offensively. Like he's got like if if everything works out offensively, well, I shouldn't say, like I should say defensively. Then this this could be the steal of the draft. 
this very well could be a steal of drive because uh, to me, offensively, this guy does it all. Okay, he's athletic, he moves fast, he's got bi- he's got big body, quick feet, quick jumps. You know, he can you know he, he dunks with the best of them. He can finish at the rim. He can shoot the ball uh, a little bit. Maybe something he can get a little bit better at, but it's not necessarily a liability at this point offensively. Mm-hmm. And the only thing to me, I think. Is defensively with him. He's he's a sieve right now. He's a sieve. He's oh, got he's, stiff hips. He uh, he's, he's very barbecue upright. chicken alert. Barbecue chicken alert. Dead. Exactly. He's stiff hips. He stands up straight a lot. He gets he can he gets blown by by guards. He can't really he can't really keep anybody outside of his own position in front of him, and that's going to be a problem. So is this going to be one of those guys that you you know I can very well see him becoming a, something uh, in the mold of. Uh, like a Blake Griffin, like literally, like literally a better yeah. Blake, like a literally a better Blake Griffin. And uh, I'm he not going to also... say a better Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was a very good player at one point. I'm very okay. Yeah, maybe I went too far with that one. Thanks for checking me. That's that's true. But maybe a, a Blake Griffin esque type player. And yeah. I can also see him becoming Jabari Parker. You know what I mean? I can see yeah. him. I, I Jabari I, Parker is a great comparison, actually. Yeah. So that and like I hate to do that to him, but if we're, if we're talking about forward size players who had all the offensive potential in the world and were sieves defensively. Now, unfortunately for Parker, two ACL tears. Uh, that's kind of a little bit of an unfair thing for him because he did suffer some injuries, and who knows what his career would have been like had he had stayed stayed healthy. But from mm-hmm. what I'm seeing right now, he the floor to me is a guy like Jabari Parker, and the ceiling is a guy like Blake Griffin. I mean, what do you what do you think about something like that? Um, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Get at me. Check me. Here. Um, I'm not, I guess I'm just not as high on him as maybe other people are, okay. I guess. I don't know. Um, the defense, like you said, he can do it all offensively. He's, um, the problem with him, I guess, is if we're talking an offensive issue, he's not consistent with the shooting, but I, like you said, it's not a liability by any means that the problem is he's not a good ball handler. He cannot handle the ball at all which is a problem when he gets doubled or just a problem sometimes when he plays a little out of control he'll be forced a little turnovers that way his handle's really weak that's the only real offensive negative though uh if we're talking uh other than pros with this game i guess he has like you said he has offensive potential to do it all like he could be like a blake griffin offensively i just think where the major negatives has come is that defense he's cement feet like on the perimeter, barbecue chicken. On the inside, barbecue chicken. Like he's just, he's a defender that it doesn't matter where he is in the court, they're going to take advantage of him. His mm-hmm. feet are just too heavy. Like you said, he's upright. They're just things that are going to be almost impossible to change, in my opinion. I love the offensive upside. I really do. But defensively, I just think he's too weak and just naturally. The natural – I'm not saying he's unathletic. He's obviously a great athlete. But, like, just the, the heavy feet are something that's going to be very difficult for him to uh, improve upon. Just one of those things. I think naturally he's kind of got heavy feet. Um, yeah, so I can see this being a boomer bust, that's for sure, because I think the offensive potential is there. But defensively, he's going to get killed. I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah, and unfortunately – uh, with the history of the Knicks draft picks, uh, the the odds aren't on his side, unfortunately, no. and I hate to say that. Um, there were a time, but I will say, there was a time where, like, for example, like the busting brackets, the place that I was writing for, I'm writing for, um, we did a mock draft, a bunch of us. There were 14 of us or 12 of us, and I was picked, I had a few different picks. I was picking fifth. That was one of the places. I took Obi Toppin at five, but the last two weeks, last week and a half, I've really dove in more and I think like I was wowed by the offensive upside, but the defensive 
he's just a turntable. Like he's just so bad defensively that he just really fell down my draft board. But with that being said, the offensive potential is there. I just wanted to say I was higher on him than I am now, but it's definitely fallen. Gotcha. Okay. Number nine, the, uh, the Washington Wizards select uh, Denny Avdia out of Maccabi Tel Aviv. Remember when I said uh, the guy with the highest upside in the draft? Okay. I like that. I, you know what? I like this pick. I thought this was a good value pick for Washington. This is a, this is a position uh, of need for them at the forward spot. You know, no, uh, no, no guarantee that Davis Pertans returns to them. In fact, uh, at the number he's looking to get in free agency, I expect him not to return there in Washington. Um, Denny Avdia is interesting. This is a this is a guy that uh, you know at six nine, uh, a, a guy that doesn't really do anything poorly in my opinion. Again, he moves well for six nine. Uh, he can handle the ball in transition. He's kind of got a lot of point guard skills uh, yes. for him for his size. You see him run pick and roll. And you know what I like the most about this is I did a little bit of a deep dive on his shooting, which a lot of people are questionable uh, about the the things. Like his shot is nice. I like his shot. I it's like his slow. mechanics. It's slow, and he does this little thing with his feet where he just like flares them out. Like he just like yeah. flares his feet out, and it and it's messing with his mechanics. There's a few people that pointed that out when I went and watched it. I said, "Man, that is so easily fixable mm-hmm. because the rest of his shot looks smooth, silky yeah. smooth shooting." So. Mm-hmm. If he can become, you know, a pick and pop guy, you know, a guy that you can throw the ball to on handoff actions and then he flares out or uh, a guy that can make decisions in the short roll game and four on three in the half court, that can really be a good value, I think, for teams, especially if you're going to have a guy like Bradley Beal or John Wall doing that for Washington. I think that that could be really valuable. And I think a lot of his value comes out in transition where he's a grab and go guy. You know what I mean? He he does a lot of uh, offensively uh, what Draymond does for the Warriors uh, but maybe with a little bit of a better shot um, and a little bit of a better finish at the rim, a little bit more ability to create in the half court. Uh, a lot of people compared him to Dario Saric. I didn't like the comparison. I thought he moved way better than a guy like Dario Saric. Like to me, I, I couldn't even think of a really a comparison for Denny Avdia, but it, it seems if you're going to use Saric, uh, he's a quicker Saric, a better, uh, a, probably a better shooting Saric, a better handle than Saric, and uh, probably more athletic than Saric too. Like yeah. I can't really find a comparison for him. I mean, what's your, what's your take on Denny Avdia? It's hard to find a comparison. Like you said, obviously, I think upside, like it's all there. He can play versus he's so versatile. He can play multiple positions. I, I think that's what's nice about him. The, well, I'll start with the negatives with him, actually. I'm going to say his shooting is inconsistent. I think it has a lot to do with that little flare. kind of throws things off. Yeah. Uh, he is a little slow, like I mentioned, too. Uh, that's a negative. Slow, like his shooting mechanics, that's a negative. Um, not consistent. Uh, like, like I said, the shooting is inconsistent. I mean, from all parts of his game. Like, sometimes he'll just go in spells where he's missing free throws. Like, just he's – it's almost like he checks out sometimes. Um, yeah, he's – I guess he lacks, I guess, slightly elite athleticism, but like, yeah, that's true. I'm not comparing to him, but like Doncic lacks elite athleticism too. Like his, I think like his smart feel for the game overpowers that lack of athleticism a hundred percent, hundred percent. So that's the, I honestly, that's where the negatives end. I think he does everything offensively. He can be like a point forward. He can play like uh, he can shoot, he can stretch, he can score inside, outside, moves the ball really well. He's a good rebounder. He can even block shots too. Like he's a, and he's an incredibly smart player. He doesn't make the wrong play all that often. He, like I said earlier, he's versatile, and I mean versatile. He can guard different positions, play different positions, score against different style of defenders. He can move the ball. He can 
score inside, outside. Like he he's, can do everything on the court. It's just the problem is the consistency and the maybe lack of athleticism playing in the NBA, but I don't agree with it. I think this is a guy who has the potential to be the best player in this draft. Okay. I like it. I, I, I like that take. That's, that, that is interesting to me. I do like what I see from Denny Avdia, Avdia I should say, um, as well. Oh boy. Yeah. My computer would freeze right now when I'm trying to flip to the, uh, the last screen, but I think uh, the last player to look at here is Jalen Smith. If I'm not mistaken, uh, who went to Phoenix, I know nothing about Jalen Smith. Please enlighten me, Mr. Necropony. So Jalen Smith, he's another guy, I mean, totally different type of player, different position than when we were talking about with Williams and Okoro, but a guy was drafted simply on his upside. Uh, Super, super athletic. Like I did not have him going 10. Like he was a guy I had more, 18 to 25 range. Yeah. That's probably that's, that's where what I, I that's the consensus I saw too. So that's probably maybe I can see a team reaching from at 15. I didn't see a team reaching from at 10. That's for sure. Uh, we'll talk about the positives, I guess he could score well inside, like around the net and even above the rim. He's a very good scorer. Um, he can score well enough in the low post. He just not, doesn't have too many moves. Um, he has shown flashes actually of being a stretch big. And that's the reason why he went 10th overall. Okay. The, the ability to actually step out is, is kind of there with him. And he hasn't shown any consistency with it, but he's actually flashed it. So that's why that athleticism and the ability to do that, that's why he flew up draft boards. Um, I think, yeah, he's a good enough shot blocker. I don't think he's a great shot blocker. He's a good defender. I don't think he's a great defender. Um, like I said, offensively, he needs to get more low post moves. He's kind of doesn't have that many. I wouldn't say he's a great inside scorer, but he's a good inside scorer. Um, he's inconsistent with his shooting. He needs to improve that for sure. Um, one dimensional when he gets the post, it's score. It's uh, there's no moving the ball. It's no once it gets yeah. his hands. Yeah, he's uh, it's not going anywhere else. And then sometimes offensively, he just doesn't. It's almost like he doesn't want the ball. He won't pass out. He'll just kind of just like check out like make it a set of screen or make it almost like a five on four like he's just like sometimes he's just a little too passive uh and yeah he's a little too aggressive i guess offensively like when how i said he's too passive on offense he's too aggressive on d so he needs to flip those two a little bit like kind of find a middle ground for both uh but yeah at the end of the day he's a very athletic he has the potential to score inside and out just hasn't shown consistency with it but i think uh with the right development yeah they could definitely bring it out um and yeah, he's going to have to, like you said, the reads, he's going to have to be a little bit better once he gets the ball in his hands, making better decisions. But uh, yeah, definitely a guy drafted solely on upside. But um, I like the pick. I don't hate the pick. I just think he, if the offensive upside is never brought out, he can just be one of those guys who might be just an okay defender, like not going to be anything special for a top 10 pick. Is he a forward or a center? To me, he's more of a center just because... He's about 6'10", 225, 230. He can definitely play four. I don't like him at all on three, that's for sure. But, like, he could play four in bigger lineups. I like him more at five. He's a versatile five. He, if he puts on some muscle, he could play five in a, in a bigger lineup. But if he puts in, in – right now, he can play five in a smaller lineup. I personally like him more as a five rim protector. But don't be surprised if they play him at the four with eight and at the five. Okay. Like, don't be surprised. I don't love it. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't think that's a phenomenal. I Like I said, I like him more at the five. I think with Aiton at the four and him at the five, there's going to be a little bit of a lack of quickness of them playing together. Um, but yeah, I think that's my ultimate take. I like him more at the five than the four. 
Okay, good. All right, so that was the top 10. Um, I'm just going to run through the first round with some names. You stop me if there's anything pressing that you want to say about any of these guys. I know you know all of them, uh, mm-hmm. but and it's going to be hard like to maybe like bite your tongue when it comes to <laughs> trying to talk yeah. about all of these guys. But I'm just going to go through the picks, and you stop me if there's anything particular that you want to talk about or that jumps out at you. Sound good? Yeah. All right, cool. So at 11, San Antonio Spurs, Devin Vassell, forward out of Florida State. I'll just have with this. You say him, I'll say uh, good, bad, okay. And then you, if you want to know why, I'll tell you why. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so Devin Vassell. Good. Uh, Sacramento Kings, Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State. Okay. Interesting. Elaborate on that. That seemed like a good value pick to me. That's a guy that was going about top seven. Kings got him at 12. Why is that just an okay pick for you? He to me, this doesn't do anything exceptionally well. He's one of those guys you're banking. And he's so, like, there's no – he's, like, 170 pounds, 165 pounds. Like, I just don't – yeah. he's light. I just – there's a lot to like, but there's also a lot to just think this guy's going to be out of the league really quick. Like I said, I don't think it's a bad pick. I just don't think – I guess if I'm there, I'm in their situation, I think there's a better point guard available, in my opinion. Like, Cole Anthony was higher on my board. That's just my opinion. And I would have – yeah. I like Aaron uh, Neesmith more uh, as well, too. So those okay. are just two guys that were a little higher for me. Again, good pick, not bad pick. But uh, just all in all, I'm going to give it the okay with a little closer to good than bad, though. Okay, gotcha. New Orleans Pelicans, Kira Lewis. Bad. Um, Boston Celtics, Aaron Neesmith. Good. Uh, let's stop and talk about this guy. Orlando Magic, Cole Anthony. This was, this was my favorite pick of the draft uh, in the first round. Yeah, in my too. opinion, I, uh, I, I was, I'm a big fan of Cole Anthony. Um, Me too. I, I, you know, this is a guy who's, uh, you know, he, he was like, he was like the second highest player recruited, uh, like ranked out of high school behind Wiseman in his class, at one yeah. point. In his class correct. Um, and he goes to Duke in a situation where he has absolutely no shooting and uh, basically no uh, extra on ball creators. Duke wasn't Duke, put it that way. Like they, yeah. they, in terms of NBA potential, they like you usually think they'd have more around him than they did. I agree. Or sorry, North. I mean, not Duke, North Carolina. Or sorry, yeah, North Carolina. What am I saying? My apologies. Why did I mix that up? North Carolina. Thank you. So at North Carolina, yeah, not a lot of shooting, um, not a lot of ball um, you know, players that were going to help him in terms of on ball creation. He had to do it all uh, at six three, and you and you know what? He yes, his shots were inconsistent. Um, there was, there was at times where he took bad shots, but you know, I, that's what I mean. He had to. And not only that, I, I liked what I saw as a playmaker. I liked uh, a lot of what I saw from uh, the ability to get separation for that jump shot. Uh, I liked his athleticism at six, three to get to the rim. Uh, at times I liked his compete level. Uh, I liked a lot of things about Cole Anthony and yeah, he was put in a bad situation. And this is kind of where this is, this is kind of where draft people really have to kind of decipher how you value this, right? Like just because you're put in a bad situation, does that ultimately mean that you're going to do better when you're in a good situation? Or do we just have to uh, evaluate you based on your circumstances and not play the, what if he had this game? Uh, in terms of would that have made him better? Uh, because that's where I think people uh, can um, can can lose a little bit when, p- when picking prospects. Is like, oh, if he just if he were to just play with this type of player or this these type of shooters, like imagine what he could do in this situation. Like that's where I think, yeah, a lot of if, when you start putting yourself in the what ifs, I think that that is a, dan- a dangerous uh, territory. Um, Nick, I know you liked Cole Anthony a lot. What did you like yeah. about Cole Anthony? A lot of things you said. I think to me, he's one of those players, 
at high optimism. Like I think he could be one of the, he could be an NBA star. He's one of those guys who can be a consistent all-star because he, he's shown the ability to just be a microwave scorer. like just absolutely cook offensively, make the right pass on offense too. So when he gets the double, he makes a great play. He makes the smart play. There's times where he was like, this guy should go first overall. Like this guy's an incredible player, but then there's times where he's just a little inconsistent with it. And again, he didn't have a ton around him, like you said, but uh, he was still playing for a good team with a good coach, good program, not a great team, but still a very good team. Um, I think there's times where he played incredible defense. There's times where he did not play incredible defense, but I think that's more just upstairs than his opponents beating him. He has all the skill. The injury, maybe, will he that, be the same? Uh, like, you know? I forgot about that. That's right. That's a, the knock on him. To me, I think he'll be able to overcome it. He's not too good of an athlete. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of great athletes that injuries killed him. I just think he's one of those guys, he's going to be a great playmaker who can still score at the next level. The scoring just some nights, I don't think it's going to be there. But if they ever like hone that consistency, he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to score, get assists. He's going to rack up the score sheet offensively in all categories that's what he could do but if the athleticism doesn't return after the injury he could be one of those guys who just you know he's a solid scorer but he can't get to the net as well he doesn't have the same athleticism so he's not a great scorer because his shooting's not consistent solid playmaker he'll give you his all i think at 15 it's a no-brainer pick like you're magic they want not to say they won the draft but they won this first round in terms of getting him at 15 okay uh what do you think about the fit next to marco fultz not too worried. I mean, I don't love them together per se, but uh, yeah, the fit's not fantastic. I don't love them together, but at the same time, you don't have to play them together per se. Ooh, like obviously, some, okay. Sometimes you could, like you could sometimes, but there's going to be a lack of shooting. Cole Anthony, for the fit to be perfect, I think Cole Anthony's really got to improve the consistency with the shooting. But the potential is there for it. That's for sure. Uh, okay. It's a very athletic backcourt. That's for sure. Okay, good. I like it. Okay, uh, number 16, uh, Detroit Pistons select uh, Isaiah Stewart out of Washington. Bad, too early. Not saying he's a bad player, just reached. I, was, I thought I was high on him, and I had him mid-20s. Yeah, he was uh, projected to the Raptors at 29. I think that was a reach, too. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, Alexei Polkashevsky, Serbia. Okay. Okay. Uh, 18, Dallas Mavericks, Josh Green out of Arizona. Okay. 19, Detroit Pistons, Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. Good. I think that's good value for 19. I think his floor is very high. His ceiling is very low. Okay. Uh, number 20, uh, Miami Heat, Precious to Chew out of Memphis. Bad. 21, Philadelphia 76ers, Tyrese Maxey. We can stop here because I liked this pick maybe just as much as I liked the Cole Anthony pick. Um, I, I, man, I thought Tyrese Maxey was like a top 12 player to me. Like he, he looked pretty good. Like, yeah. I really liked what I saw out of Tyrese Maxey. Like, 6'3", shooting guard, athletic, uh, you know, can has a, the ball on a string, can get to the rim. And, again, this is the thing with everything. Is the shooting going to come around? You know what I mean? Um, the, the mechanics He's, looked okay to me, though. They didn't look terrible. They didn't look terrible to me. Am I wrong when I say that? No, they're not terrible. It's just he's – there's way more bad times than good with him in terms okay. of shooting. Like, the potential's there. It's just – like, yeah, sure, the potential's there, but, like, it's not there enough. Like, the, the bad, the wild. Not even for 21? Oh, at 21, I like the value. I'm yeah, just saying, like, saying. I don't like him as a – like you said, he could top 12. Like, I don't like him there for me. Okay, I think he's just – I think he's an 18 to 25 guy. I think I said that about someone else earlier. I think that's the range for him. I think he went where he should because the shooting's just not consistent enough. 
But one of those things, like you said, it's not like it's ugly. If he can actually imp- be one of those guys that he fixes that shooting, that it's everything else like, checks out. Exactly. Everything else checks out. He's a little too aggressive on offense, but he's not going to be the number one option. So they're going to say, Hey, take a seat, move the ball. You know what I mean? So that, that over aggression is going to be fixed by the fit, in my opinion. Uh, it's just the consistency. And I feel like sometimes it's almost like he makes the wrong play a lot. He doesn't like it's, it's I'm not going to say he's a low basketball IQ, but he can definitely improve. That's okay. for sure. Okay. 22. But Denver... the potential's there. Sorry. Okay. 22 Denver Nuggets. Uh, Zeke Nanji out of Arizona. Okay. I thought, I, I think that's a little high for him, but I think, I guess uh, they like, they like what they see. They like the potential, but again, I think that's a little high. I think it was odd seeing all three of Arizona's freshmen go as low as they did, but hey, not as low as they did. Josh Green still went 18 and Zeke went 22. Actually, I take that back. Mannion just slipped. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, 23 Minnesota Timberwolves, Leandro Balmero out of uh, Barcelona. I don't know as much. He's one of the players I didn't watch as much on, but what I did see, I think it's a solid pick. I think he went right around where I thought he should go. I think there's going to be, there's potential there. Again, it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's as boom or bust as Obi Toppin, but uh, there's potential to be a very good player. There's potential for him to not be an NBA player. Like just okay. very well not play. Okay. Uh, 24 Denver Nuggets, RJ Hampton. I like the value, but I understand why he's, was picked 24 okay. some people had him like 15 some people had him like 40 uh there's a lot to like there's a lot not to like okay 25 new york knicks emmanuel quickly out of kentucky too much of a reach don't like him that high okay fair enough boston celtics peyton pritchard at 26 probably the worst pick of the draft Ooh, the spice not saying he's not saying he's a bad player just at 26 i truly think you could have got peyton pritchard at well, if Utah ended up taking Saban Lee at 38, then I think you could have got him at 37. Wow. Okay. Uh, and also four other point guards on the roster. Go. Let's yeah, let's I let's just, also I take that I, into account. Yeah. Boss. Not a good pick for Boston. Kemba, I don't think Smart, they were the best player Waters, available and, uh, or positional need. Yeah. And the guy who went right after would have filled a positional need. Fair. Good pick for them. Yeah. Kemba, Smart, Waters, and Carson Edwards. Um, I mean, seems seems like overkill, but hey, I uh, maybe I'm missing. Is Wanamaker still there? No, they didn't extend a qualifying offer to Wanamaker, so he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, and but yes, at the time he was, but I'm assuming they did that with the plan that yeah, they weren't going to offer him a contract. Yeah. Okay, 27. Yudoka has a bookie out of Kansas. Good pick. Good pick. I like it. I would have went them if I was Boston. Okay, 28. Minnesota Timberwolves. Jaden McDaniels. Uh, I don't like drafting high, high upside but he could be absolutely useless around LeBron James in his final years. I would have went with a more of a guy who could help now. So no, I don't like this pick for the Lakers. Okay. 29 Toronto Raptors, Malachi Flynn. We can spend a little time on this because we have a little more of a Raptor listenership. I would say, what do you think about Malachi Flynn? I would have went elsewhere, but I know what the Raptors I liked Grant Riller at this spot. This is well-documented. Yeah. I would have even went so far. Like he went, like he went 56, I think to Charlotte. I was so sad. Put it this way. If you're going to go guard, I would have went Tyler, Tyler Terry, Theo Maladin. Like, there was, like, a lot of guys I would have went before him. Maybe even Jemias Ramsey, Nico Mannion. Like, there's guys that maybe would have went. I personally, right there, if I'm them, I like Grant Riller. I would have even considered Desmond Bain or Vernon Carey or Daniel Oturu. Daniel Oturu and Desmond Bain are probably the two guys I would have looked at there. What the Raptors did there with Malachi Flynn is they went for a player who had great college production, a guy who was a very good college player and did 
everything. Like he didn't, there wasn't anything he didn't do. He's just not a good athlete. And people okay. compared him. They're like, well, this sounds like Fred Van Vliet 2.0. Like the knock on him is like, he could kind of do it all. It just doesn't have the athleticism, doesn't have the size and have that God given ability to be that quickness guy, but he digs. And yeah, that's, there are those comparisons there. I see them. But Fred also is a little quicker. He's a little bit quicker than Malachi Flynn. Malachi okay. Flynn is not quite as quick in my opinion. So I think he's going to very well struggle guarding quicker players against the slower guard, maybe not as much. But yeah, on the defensive end, he's going to be a problem against quicker guards. That's for sure. He's okay. a problem not in a good way. Like he's going to get killed. Um, but offensively, he does every, like you said, there's nothing, there's not really many flaws. And I think they're all ones that can translate to the next level. I think the Raptors went with very safe here, in my opinion. Um, they went with a guy who's going to do something for them offensively if in case they do lose Fred Van Vliet to the Knicks or a team in free agency. Um, it's looking more likely they'll stay, but I'm not going to say that for sure. I still think the Knicks what do you think? Of, what do you well. think about it being a Terrence Davis replacement as opposed to – Oh, yeah, 100%. It could very well be that hard? too. Yeah, I think he could, but he's going to get uh, cooked, that's for sure, defensively. Okay. I, I think uh, if you're going to have him guarding twos – well, what if you have Van Vliet guarding twos and him guarding ones? Depends if the one is really, really quick or not. He'll get killed. If the one's not the quickest one, then maybe. But okay. if, again, who's playing the two? If it's a guy who's like six, 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 seven playing the two, I don't want Van Vliet covering him. Like Van Vliet digs. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He, he digs. Yeah, but that size advantage. I know. Well, the Raptors have shown propensity to have a small yep. backcourt and still defend the backcourt. Right yeah, still right. be okay. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's tough sledding to just say, oh, let's just plug Malachi Flynn into the yeah, Kyle Malachi Lowry Flynn role and be fine. Kyle but... Lowry, he's not Fred Van Vliet no. on the defensive end. He's, uh, okay. he's a lot worse. So that's where, no, I don't think he's a Terrence Davis replacement, in my opinion, either. Okay. Uh, I don't think, I think maybe they drafted him for that. I just don't see him as that. If you're looking for a Terrence Davis replacement, I know he plays more one than he does. I just would have went with more of a Desmond Bain here, or I would have went, you're losing Ibaka potentially. I would have went with a Daniel Arturo. Okay. That's cool. my opinion. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't hate the pick, but I don't love it. Okay. And then uh, 30th Desmond Bain to the love Memphis it. Grizzlies. Love it. Perfect. Okay. So that's was the it top... Memphis or was it Boston? No, it was Memphis. It was Memphis, and we'll get into that because there were so many damn trades. I couldn't even keep up who was picking who at one point. Like it was, it got so ridiculous that like I didn't even know. Like I was like, who's making these picks? Like, is this getting traded like three or four times? Like, yeah. Like, did Jaden McDaniels end up staying with the Lakers? No, he went to OKC. No. So every everybody I just told you that who got picked by actually got picked by the team that I just told you. So Jaden McDaniels was as actually Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves picked Jaden McDaniels. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so. Let's go through some of these trades, like some of the bigger ones, because there was like at least like 15 to 20 trades. And honestly, I'll be here all night if we, if we do all these. So let's yeah, just go some sure. of the bigger ones, okay? So let's start with Dallas trading um, – uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Dallas Seth trading Seth, yeah, Seth Curry to Philadelphia for uh, forward Tyler Bay, which was the number 36 pick, and Josh Richardson. Um, I guess we can talk about a little bit Tyler Bay, and then, I'll, and then we can both talk about – uh, Seth Curry and Josh Richardson swap. Now I'll speak to the guys that I know, which is Richardson and Curry. Um, Philadelphia gets their much wanted shooting that they're trying to yep. uh, really p- uh, put around. Uh, so, sure. uh, so this is, this is what Daryl Morey is trying to do. He wants to exhaust all options to see, can this Ben Simmons and uh, Joel and B pairing actually work? If I put the right pieces around them, like I, like he, I think he actually wants to see this work with the pieces that he has before he takes the home run swing and starts trading Ben Simmons for James Harden and all this stuff, right? He wants to actually see what he has on the roster, but put his stamp on it. So I think that that is probably 
you know, one of those moves um, that kind of solidifies that. I think uh, the the Danny Green get also is uh, fits in there as well. We'll talk about that trade in a bit. Um, so I like the move there for Philadelphia and for, um, and they make about similar money. So no real tax implications or cap implications here, but uh, Josh Richardson on the other hand uh, gets Dallas uh, some defense. You know, they were the number one offense in the year last year on the back of Luka Doncic. Uh, Josh Richardson has shown many times before that he can be a more than competent defender of yes, ones, twos, and threes. Sure. Uh, three position defender, in my opinion, uh, gets some, uh, some versatility behind um, some of the, uh, the Dallas wing defenders, which, you know, aren't too many unfortunately uh, at this point. Uh, and I think he'll, I think he's going to see a lot of time guarding twos and threes as well uh, and can shoot the ball and uh, be a backup creator a little bit. So I like the move for both. Um, but uh, the swing piece here is Tyler Bay. I mean, what do yep. you think about Tyler Bay, Nick? Uh, I think I don't see much offensive potential flat out, okay. but I think he could be like one of those kind of combo forwards. Who's just a defensive player. He can guard a little inside he can guard a little outside in the perimeter. He's about six, seven two twenty-five, So he could be a small ball four or a okay. bigger three. Uh, like I think he does have that potential. He's a good athlete. He's not like he's a bad athlete. Like I would say he's not even like he's an okay athlete. He's a good athlete. The problem is then he might be a tweener, like maybe one of, one of those guys, a little big for the three, a little small for the four. Gotcha. But the way the NBA is going with those lineups, like a lot of smaller lineups, I think he can actually guard the four in smaller lineups, uh, especially if you with the right NBA training program, put on some muscle. I think there's some potential there. Offensively, I really don't see much potential to be completely honest with you. I guess he's trying to think what he does offensively well he's i guess he scores well i guess on the move i guess while like he, he attacks well like he's not but he's just not a great scorer like he's not a guy i can really see doing much offensively but like i said i think he's a guy who could be a very good defensive player in the league so i think like you said dallas just improved their defense big big time so they picked up uh two like you said josh richardson's a proven defender and tyler bay's a guy they could develop into being a very good defender so the number one offense just got a lot of defense and a team like Philadelphia that lacked shooting just got a very consistent shooter. So I think it's one of those trades. It's a win-win. Okay, good. Um, let's do uh, the next big trade here. Uh, the three-way trade between the Clippers, the Nets, and the Pistons. So the Clippers are getting uh, Luke Kennard and guard Jay Scrub, which was the 55th pick. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn gets Landry Shamit and Reggie Perry, the 57th pick. And uh, the Detroit Pistons get uh, forward Sadiq Bay, the 19th pick in Rodney Magruder. Now for, I like this for the Clippers. I know you're not as big on a guy like Luke Kennard as I am. Uh, I really like Luke Kennard. I think he's, a, I get I what he does. Yeah. I think he's a fantastic shooter on the move. I think again, LA Clippers uh, need shooting around them. And uh, you know, I think he's just a little bit of a better shooter than Landry Shaman. I'm not saying Shaman is a bad shooter. He's still one of the better ones. I think Luke Kennard is a better shooter, more versatile shooter than uh, a guy like Landry Shamit. Well, Luke Kennard's um, the best player in this trade. Okay, yeah, well, that's a good way to put it. I think I think that too. I just wasn't sure if you necessarily thought no, he was better for than sure. Landry Shamit. I don't Shamet. think okay. he's miles better, but I think he's the best no. player in this trade. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. And the uh, uh, the draft com the draft compensation would suggest that. Um, Land so Landry Shamit going to the Brooklyn Nets again. Landry Shamit does a lot of what Luke Kennard does, just at a little bit of a lower level, uh, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, but again, I don't think he needs to be uh, on the ball. Uh, as much, he just needs to kind of just run around and shoot that rock. Um, yep. And I think he's, um, I think he's, a, I think he's okay defensively. Landry Sham, I think he's a little underrated. Again, the guy is six five. I think he might be a better defensive better. player than yeah. Luke Kennard. Yeah, sure, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll accept that. Just the and, offensive game is. Ah. 
Yeah. The offensive game. <laughs> my bad. The offensive okay. game is that much better with Canard. Like it's like that huge step more. Yeah, fair enough. And then uh, Sadiq Bay, we talked about uh, a little bit there. And then Rodney Magruder, just to make the math work. So, um, you know, uh, this is this is okay, Trey. Like, I don't see this moving the needle necessarily for anybody in particular, in my opinion. Um, uh, if, if Sadiq Bay works out, this is a great get for Detroit. I think uh, Sadiq Bay Hart. will work out in terms of a very solid role player. He went to role player U, Villanova. Like, they could just develop role players every single year. So, I, I do like what he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be anything special, but I think he's going to be a solid contributor. Okay, cool. Same with Uh, Tyler Bay, but I think there's just a better chance of Sadiq Bay. And Sadiq Bay has a little more offensive upside too. Okay, cool. Um, So Minnesota um, and Oklahoma City made a trade. So Minnesota is getting Ricky Rubio. Welcome back, Ricky Rubio to Minnesota. Uh, The 2020 first round pick, which was pick number 25 and the 20 – uh, sorry, and the 2020-28th pick overall, which was Jaden McDaniels, and then Oklahoma City is getting pick number 17, which was Alexei Pokashevsky. Now, I like this. I like this value from OKC. Um, mm-hmm. They um, they really had so many damn picks in their war chest that they can yeah. afford to go and take a swing for the fences pick like yeah. Pokashevsky. I think that that is uh, a nice pick for them to go and uh, just kind of. St- like I said, swing for the fences. Like, let's see if this guy hits. You know what I mean? And if we did, like, wow, we gave up absolutely nothing for a nothing guy that could for be a part guy of our who future. Can score the basketball for a while. Yeah. Right, exactly. In different places. Right, exactly. Uh, Minnesota gets back. Uh, Ricky Rubio, he's definitely going to come off the bench uh, behind D'Angelo Russell. I don't necessarily see them playing together too much, but a great backup point guard to have behind D'Angelo Russell. Now, do I want my backup point guard making $17 million? Not particularly, uh, but that's besides the point. Um, and then they get uh, Jaden McDaniels also, uh, as well. And then in, in a subsequent upside, trade... I but I don't love McDaniels personally. Yeah, in a subsequent trade, then Minnesota actually takes that number 25 pick and then trades it to New York along yeah. with a number 33 and gets uh, the number 23 pick with Leandro Balmero. So they took mm-hmm. that number 25 and flipped it uh, for 23 to get Leandro Balmero. So that was yeah. like their, their overall return. Uh, I mean, will it work? Too early to say. Do sure. I love it? Probably not, in my opinion. I mean, it's you didn't give up much, but like, I just don't think Balmero. Personally, I guess I'm not as high as him as the Knicks are. But yeah. Okay. Um, let's keep it moving here. Um, do you have the uh, the second round draft board up? Sorry, I don't have it up for whatever reason. Do you second have round board or yeah. who went? Yeah, or who, yeah. Sorry, who went? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the Philadelphia Oklahoma City trade here. So. Philadelphia is getting uh, Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson and going to the Oklahoma City Thunder is Al Horford. The rights to guard uh, – this pronunciation is not going to be good. Uh, Vas- Vasilij Micic, I think, uh, one of the better guards in Europe from what I understand. Yeah. The, uh, the 2020 uh, second round pick, which was number 34, and a 2025 first round pick, which is lightly protected from what I understand. Who went 34, Nick? Who went 34th overall? Theo Maladin. Theo Theo Malone. Okay, so you can plug his name in there. Um, I like this trade for both teams. Like this is a this is actually a nice little piece of transactional move for Philadelphia here um, to get off three years of Al Horford left. I think is what's on his deal uh, for uh, you know just um, uh, a. 2025 first round pick. Now who knows what's going to happen in 2025, but you know, Al Horford at this point was, you know, not looking like a great value contract around the, around the league, but no, 
he was he was definitely not after last year but I don't think that he's that bad of a player you know what I mean so it was nice that Daryl Morey only needed one first round pick to get off of him and a very valuable second round pick um but I also like this from Sam Presti's side because this is a classic case to me of an undervalued asset on the market just like he went out and got Chris Paul and said no he's not washed like, I don't believe it. You know what I mean? Give me all yeah. the picks for this bad this bad contract, and I'm going to show you he's not bad. I think the same thing happens with Al Horford. I think he, they revive his value, and by the trade deadline or next season with only two years on his deal, he's shipped off for another first-round pick. I yeah. guarantee it. You know what I mean? Like, this is a classic revive-your-value case uh, for Sam Presti here in Al Horford, and I think that's exactly going to be what happens. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully. I will say, I don't know how it's pronounced, Maladon, Maladin. I have yeah. no idea. He's French. I have no idea, but I will say this. I saw him in mock drafts early, recent, middle of the pack. I saw him as high as 12, as low as like 40. But I saw him as high as 12, and they okay. got him at 34. So there's potential for him to be a very good player in this league. So keep that in mind too. Okay, good to know. Um, and I also obviously like this uh, to get uh, Danny Green back, uh, who is a guy um, who, again, could probably be flipped for more assets if you're, if you're Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. But I, to me, I think I believe that he's going to uh, provide some good shooting. I think, he's I think he's provi- Yeah, I agree. I think he's providing some good shooting there for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they need him. Uh, and a guy, um, sorry, who was the other shooter? Uh, Seth Curry, uh, that went to the Sixers. Uh, but I think both of those guys are going to provide uh, two good four spacers there uh, around uh, Simmons and Embiid, which I think is what you need. Um, so nice piece of uh, transactional uh, work from both um, Daryl Morey and Sam Presti. I like the, Where is Danny guys. Green this year? Sorry. So Danny Green is now uh, in Philadelphia. Gotcha. That's what I thought. Okay. Yes. So he went from L.A., to OKC in the Dennis Schroeder deal and then was immediately flipped. Huh? And then he was flipped and then now he's to Philadelphia. Correct. From Oklahoma City to Philadelphia. Yes. So he didn't technically do anything. And uh, if he gets flipped again, he's, he's getting close to the the Luke Ridenauer treatment. Yeah, for sure. He's getting, he's getting, we're getting, we're getting close. No, Luke Ridenauer is crazy. Didn't he get flipped like four or five times in the span of like 29 hours or something ridiculous like that? Like, (laughs) Oh my God. Like I got to go look at the YouTube video again. There's like a thing of him, like going from like place to place. Okay. I think, okay. So the last thing let's talk about is like the failed Bogdanovich trade. And then we'll wrap it. We'll wrap up the pod here. Who's okay. Whose fault is this? Okay. This is what I want to know. Whose fault Sacramento. is this? No, 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 no. Is it the agent's fault? Is it the Sacramento front office's fault? Is it um, like who, like whose fault is this? Because I think, I, I think, I, uh, huh? It's impossible to say. We don't know. We have no idea. Like we weren't like involved, so it's impossible to say I, from an outsider's perspective. I think, I think it's the gotta agent be has to be liable. The agent it's has to be the liable. agent and the GM. There's no way he's not. Yeah. Sacramento front office and the agent. That's the only so people to blame here. 50-50, I don't know. 60-40, 70-30, 80-20. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, those How are the two parties. How do you get signed and traded and not know? Like that's yeah. so that that's ludicrous to me. Like that that is like one of the craziest things. Like I reported yesterday. Like I was I did a podcast on it. So that's a great fit for Milwaukee. This mm-hmm. that, and the other. Like you know, twelve mm-hmm. hours later, it's like oh no deal. Yeah. How? Like what do you mean? What do you mean he? What do you mean he didn't know he was going to Wisconsin from California? Like what do you I know. mean? <laughs> I'd say it's like got to be me from an outsider's perspective. Seventy percent agent, thirty percent on the Kings. Yeah. I agree. I just like, th- like th- the buck has to stop with the agent though. Like if you're, yes. if your team is doing some shady stuff 
and like signing you to D and trying to sign and trade you. Like you as the agent have to tell your client, like this is what's happening. And so yeah. if that doesn't it's not happen, like it's like, shady, it's part of the business. You exactly. just got to inform them. Hey, exactly. You can get traded. We don't have control of that, but right. the sign part you have control of. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like you can. And so, and so he's like, no, he's like, you know what? I'm not. And he's like, he's basically like said no deal. So now, yeah. and they, and they, um, they waved Ilyasova, right? So like Ilyasova, like I would be pissed if I was him. Okay. Cause check this out, right? He almost got traded to the Kings and guaranteed himself 7 million. Now he gets waived and he just loses $7 million because of the recklessness of Bogdanovich's well, agent. Some of it. No, I think, I don't think so. I don't, I think, I think it was a non-guarantee and they just didn't oh. guarantee it. And then they got waived. Okay. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Cause normally you're right. I think he would have got paid that money, but I think it was a non-guarantee and they just said, no, we're just not going to guarantee that. So that was weird. It was crazy. That was like, that was last year's version of the, uh, the Brooks, uh, the Marshawn versus Dylan Brooks three-way yes, trade. Remember that where they thought yeah, they were yeah. getting the wrong Brooks. Oh the, my God. That's that so funny. That'll go the as an all wrong Brooks involved. My goodness. That'll go down as an all timer. This for didn't, sure. this didn't one didn't come close to that, but that's no. what it reminded me of for sure. Yeah. All right, man, I'm going to let you go. You've been extremely generous. Well, thanks for having time. me on, man. As yeah, always. Man. Oh, yeah. Thanks for talking draft. Love talking the draft with you. Uh, as usual, Likewise. great stuff here. Um, tell them where you could find your work. Uh, you do some stuff for busting brackets. You do tip of the tower stuff. Plug away, my friend. Where can they find your great draft work and other work as well? Just check me out on Twitter for the most part at Nick Raponi, N-I-C-K-R-A-P-O-N-I. Most of my stuff's through there, but I write for busting brackets, uh, college blog, uh, mostly NCAA basketball focused. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Come NCAA draft for football time. I'll be posting more about football as well. But yeah, I'm more of a draft guy as Derek kind of led on to, whether it's basketball or football. Those are definitely the two sports. Uh, I'm a draft guy, that's for sure. Beautiful. And this won't be, definitely won't be the last time we see you on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. And then free agency starts in like uh, like 12 hours. So yeah. this, is, this is great. Moratorium. <laughs> Get me on again, let me know. Yeah, hey man, yeah. The, the, I, can't, I can't even keep up with all this stuff this year. It's so crazy. Like the, the timing is just like, it's just insane. I, uh, I did a trades podcast. I still haven't even posted the original one with the, the Chris Paul, Drew Holiday trades. I haven't even posted that one up on Twitter. I didn't have time. And now I'm recording this one. And I'm not even gonna have time to post that one before I have to yeah. record the next one. So like, it, hey, that's a good thing, man. You're working. Yeah, I'm trying. And we got stuff for Tip of the Tower coming up. I think probably yeah. have a Malachi Flynn breakdown come up for the Raptors. I'm gonna have to go deep dive into the film on that one. Um, and yeah, so there's gonna be hey, the content is coming fast and furious, man. And then next thing you know, we'll blink and the season will have started. So it's uh, starting in no time, man. It's gonna yeah. be quick. I'm okay. excited for Christmas Day basketball. Me too, man. Me too. So yeah, thanks again for coming on, Nick. We'll talk Anytime. to you soon and uh, enjoy yourself until then. Yeah, you too, man. Easy. Easy.